The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 133, the week of September 16th. Alex, how's it going? Things are pretty good. How about you, Rob? Oh, man. Things are going fantastic. Yeah? Weather's getting a little bit better, not quite so hot. Oh, man, just a little bit cool at night. It's so nice. Open the windows. You know, wake up in the morning, you're maybe even a little chilly. Yeah. Got to cuddle underneath yeah. the covers. Got to cuddle under the covers. That's a lot of information there, Alex. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into some of our housekeeping. We have a Slack channel with... Like what we have like a two bajillion people on there now. Is that uh, where we are? Something like two and a half, two and a half bajillion. Two and a half bajillion. And if you want to join those people, uh, get us up to three bajillion. You go out to Colorado-Security.com, click on the Slack link there, and you can join and be part of the conversation. I know there's been some really good conversations this week across um, all of the different channels, general and events and random and rant and news, all kinds of good stuff. All kinds of good stuff all the time. We also have a mailing list, Rob. If you want to get notified about uh, new podcasts and get the show notes in your email, go to colorado-security.com, go to the bottom of the page, put your email in and sign up for that mailing list. If you like what we're doing, we would love it if you would subscribe to us on your favorite podcast listening app and maybe rate us out there too, especially on on the iTunes store. Um, We'd love to have you out there. Give us a five stars and say, uh, Rob's voice is sexy. I haven't seen a single comment like that yet. Um, We would. Uh, prefer five-star ratings. If you're not going to give us a five-star rating, maybe just pass on the ratings. Or a six-star six rating. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's fine, too. Um, you could also tell a friend about um, all the great things that is are happening at Colorado Equal Security. Podcast, website, Slack channel. Tell somebody how great things are. If you want to support us financially, we do have a Patreon campaign where you can um, help kick in some cash to pay for this thing to keep going. Um, we, we do appreciate all our patrons. A big shout out to those folks who've been supporting us. Yes. Uh, faithful yes, supporters. Uh, thank you very much to all of you. Uh, of course, if you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you guys. And finally, we would love to spread the load. If you uh, are interested in interviewing someone for the podcast, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, we can give you some direction on how to do that. And maybe you will get an interview on the podcast. All right. So Alex, it, it just occurred to me as we were talking about Slack and I was thinking about some of the stuff this week there. Did you see the story about coal, the coal fire pen testers? You're smiling. So you must've seen it. Yes. Was it, it was in uh, Iowa? In Iowa. Yes. Um, so apparently uh, we'll throw, we'll throw a link in the show notes about this. Uh, there, some coal fire pen testers were engaged to do a assessment to see if they could get unauthorized access to some court documentation, right? Correct. And I think there may have been some confusion on what the actual scope was because they uh, tried to get that access through physical means. They apparently broke into the courthouse and uh, were caught there and they, they tried to pull out their uh, get out of jail free card for doing their pen test and that wasn't received so well. It doesn't literally get you out of jail. <laughs> I, I think that is so, that is true in this case. So they, we do have mug shots in the, in the link uh, that folks can take a look at. Um, now they've been let out on bail. So this is like for real serious stuff. Um, hopefully it all gets sorted out. Apologies are issued all around. Um, no significant issues, I, I hope. Uh, assuming that the all the legal proceedings go away, maybe we can get those guys on the show. They're they're not Colorado guys, oh. but since they work for Coal Fire, I bet okay. we could twist an arm. We could arm probably and, make an exception. And we could, we could understand what it's like to be inside a holding cell. Yeah, that, uh, that's got to be pretty weird. Yeah. All right. You, you know where else they have a holding cell, Rob? Where else do they have one? Uh, I'm pretty sure they have one at uh, Empower Field at Mile High. Wow, that's a good segue. Yeah. Didn't we just talk about Empower Field at Mile High last week, though? You know, uh, we did. But this week, the story is about the companies that did not get their names. Oh, so, so Great West Great West Financial, also known as Empowerment Reti- Retirement, they they ended up winning, right? But there were some losers here as well. Well, I don't know if they're losers. That you know, runners up maybe. Um, People who didn't end up getting their names on it. Anyway, right. uh, Kaiser Permanente and uh, First Bank, Colorado's Bank for You, uh, were contenders apparently for the the naming rights, but f- for whatever reason, did not go forward. Yeah, someone had had put in some freedom of information requests to to see the email for the government group that runs the stadium, um, and the the emails they got showed that those two companies had both sent requests asking what you know what it would look like to do a sponsorship so it could have been first bank field or kaiser permanente stadium something there was also um you know a lot of hubbub when the the naming rights discussion 
uh, first started about whether a marijuana company would be, would potentially try and get their name on it. I think Native Roots was one that really wanted to get their name up there. That would, oh my would gosh. have been funny. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna share this thing that hopefully my kids aren't listening for this part. So I, I was just cruising through uh, social media earlier today and I saw a post that a pornography company had put in a $10 million bid to have the naming rights for a stadium. And it was, uh, bang brothers. Well, you know what? <laughs> Did you see now this? That you say that. I, <laughs> I believe I saw that headline as well. So, so speaking of, uh, inappropriate, uh, companies on stadiums, there we go. But I believe that was for Miami. So maybe it would have been appropriate, maybe more appropriate in Miami than Denver. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and move along? Uh, we talked, man, it seems like maybe a year or two ago, we talked about the old spaghetti factory in downtown Denver closing. Uh, and we talked about maybe there's going to be some kind of mini golf coming in. Well, the the news is it, it's come and, and it's about to open actually uh, opened on last Friday. Yeah. So Urban Putt uh, has opened in that location. Um, they have a an 18 hole indoor mini golf course, two nine hole courses and uh, food and drinks and all, all kinds of uh, fun entertainment. I think people that liked the old spaghetti factory will be happy that the streetcar that was there is still there. My favorite part of this article is there's a quote, Urban Putt describes itself as a mini golf steampunk fantasy come to life. You know, that's my favorite kind of fantasy, Rob. <laughs> uh, they also talk about uh, some of the holes are going to be created inspired by Colorado landmarks. Specifically, they call out Red Rocks, Elitch Gardens, and the Denver International Airport as holes. Sounds like a place for a team outing, Rob. Uh, I actually am planning to go there um, for dinner this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. I'll, Should be fun. I'll report back next week. Nice. Um, on a, a a different note, not about mini golf. Big left turn here. <laughs> this is a big uh, turn. Th- there was a story this week in the Colorado Sun, some actual reporting, uh, talking about how there who, is. Who is this by? Uh, it was by Tamara Chung. It was by Last Tamara week's Chung. feature interview. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, it was called The Cruel Irony of the Digital Divide. And it was talking about how. Uh, there is a, a big divide between the uh, the people with money in urban areas and those without money in terms of internet access. And specifically, there's been a big push. The governor, both Hickenlooper and Polis, have have really focused on getting broadband for all. And but when they say broadband for all, what they've really meant is getting broadband installed into all the rural areas where there wasn't great coverage. Um, specifically, over the last couple of years, they went from 77% of people in the in the state being covered with broadband up to 86%, so a really good chunk. But during that same time, there has not been a, uh, a drive to help those who are already in urban areas who already have coverage in their area but just can't afford the, the broadband. Yeah, so this uh, talks about some of the programs that are out there, nonprofits, that, uh, that help folks get internet access uh, for a much lower cost. Also talked a good bit about, I believe Comcast has a program that, that helps folks, I think for $10 a month or something like that, get uh, get some high-speed internet. Yeah, there was there was several different offerings that were, looked like they were somewhere in between like eight and thirteen dollars a month for for those folks who are who are low income and, and could use it. So it's cool to know those programs are out there. And of course, if you know anyone who needs it or you need it yourself, um, I think you should go probably apply. I think you should. Uh, next, um, Rob, did you know that both Uber and Lyft use Denver as a testing ground for new services? Only because they came to this uh, newscast prepared. That's the that's the reason I know. Uh, so Lyft in the last uh, several years since 2016, they've debuted at least six different programs here in Denver as as their their testing hub. Back in 2016, they created their Express Drive Vehicle Rental Program. Uh, they partnered with the city of Centennial for a first mile, last mile, basically to help you get to and from the, the RTD stations for, for free. And the, like I said, four other things that they've done in the last couple of years. Yeah, and Uber, we talked about this, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. We had a story about them uh, partnering with RTD so that you could buy your RTD tickets in the Uber app so that you could, you know, take an Uber to RTD and then RTD for part of the way. And Denver was not only the first place, but the only place right now to do that. And as of the the article we quote here, they had sold about what looks like 3,600 tickets through the RTD app for, for Uber. Pretty cool. Um, if you do read the article, there's also an interesting piece at the end uh, talking about a research study that someone did that is uh, trying to debate whether or not Uber and Lyft are actually beneficial for us. I think it was something like, you know, 60% of the amount of time that, uh, that they drive is not actually with people. It's driving around looking for people and things like that. So beneficial for the drivers or the riders? Uh, benef- beneficial for society mm. more than anything else. 
Interesting. So. Yeah, I definitely think that for as a as a writer, it's great. I think as a driver, uh, the 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 money probably doesn't add up. Uh, I'm sure that's probably true. All right, moving along, um, we have a list. A Forbes magazine has their elite cloud company list. Their top 100 cloud providers and or not providers, but cloud co- security. Or, ugh, cloud software companies. And you know what uh, that means, Rob? What does it mean? There must be some from Colorado on that list. There must be because it's not a, a Colorado list, right? So what do we got? We have two companies on there, uh, WellTalk and Guild Education. Uh, WellTalk is a, a healthcare company, and uh, Guild Education provides ongoing education for uh, folks that are, you know, say in fast food or um, you know, sort of service workers to help them move up. Uh, so a really interesting list. I I actually ended up going through and, and kind of paging through the whole list to see what was on there. I struggled to figure out what their criteria were. They didn't they didn't really get into the specifics of the of how they judged it. Um, there's some people on the list that I don't think of as a cloud company, like, like Tanium was on the list. And while yeah. Tanium is a good company, like they're not a cloud company, they're endpoint, they're endpoint company, right? Like, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. It would be interesting to know what exactly their definition of yeah. cloud is. Anyway, interesting list. And of course, nice to see a couple of the co- the local companies uh, called out. Very true. Uh, Coal Fire had a blog this week talking about launching their ISO 27,701 readiness assessment and certification services. So we all know ISO 27,000 series are their like security and IT series, but what is the 27,701, Alex? So this is something that builds on top of the ISO 27,012 standard, and it is for um, protection of PII, privacy uh, programs. So this is something that you could do um, in addition to your your ISMS, which is you know what they call the program in 27,000. And it uh, it allows you to be certified for a privacy program as well. So they call it a PIMS, a Privacy Information Management uh, System. And this was actually the standard, the 27,001 standard was just released very recently, just in the last couple of months. Um, and Coal Fire, within 10 days of the standard's release, they had successfully completed their initial certification of uh, OneTrust, which is actually a privacy offering company. So uh, I'm sure OneTrust had an incentive to be ready first, but pretty cool that within 10 days, they were able to get their first assessment done. That is pretty cool. Um, I'm also interested to see how popular the 27701 standard is as privacy has become more and more important. I can tell you we've been looking at that at, at Ping, so it's it's gonna, I'm sure it's just going to get bigger. Uh, next, Secure64, our favorite secure DNS company, has announced a leadership change. Um, so yeah, you know, we, we, they have a new CEO coming in, um, Steve Goodbarn, who is a co-founder, and he's actually the chairman of the board. He's going to be stepping in to take over as the CEO. Um, they've had Thad Duper. He's been the CEO for the last, it's a, a little bit less than two years, I think from October of 2017, where he took over. Um, and from the stats in the article, it looks like they've actually done really well over the last two years. They've increased their revenue by, I think it was like 130% or something like that. Um, so some some really good progress, and they've added n- numerous new customers, um, but it looks like they're, they're trying to go a new direction. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, Rob, did you know that you need modern MFA today? Um, I think that this is the time to get modern MFA. MFA. I had a, a meeting Why, with someone. Why, Rob? Why? I, had a, I had a meeting with someone today who was uh, a good friend of ours, who I don't know if he wants me to call him out of here on, on the show, um, and we were talking about security in the SDLC, and, and I said something about you know static analysis and dynamic analysis, and he goes, well, you know, you know, modern thinking on that is you'd want to do, you'd want to do this other thing first. And I'm like, did you just call my thinking old? <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's what this article is trying to do, but it could very well be. Well, at Ping, Ide- at Ping Identity, um, they want you to have modern MFA. Um, so I actually like this article. Um, this, this one goes through kind of giving four really easy to understand examples of what contextual MFA might look like. So if you're logging in at the coffee shop, you probably need to, to have that second factor. If you're logging in at your desk at work, maybe it's not so important. If it's an IT admin, you don't, you want to get biometrics because you really want to be sure who this person is. I, I yep. like the way they give some examples and how you might apply this. Yeah. The, the how and the when, uh, the where, I think those are all very important. It, it talks about all of those in the article. Yeah. Pretty simple stuff. Yep. Uh, next we have a blog post from Red Canary. And I don't know if you noticed when looking at this, this is actually a blog post that they did like three years ago. Yeah. I think we covered on the show. We probably did. Um, but, but I actually, but we put it in the notes again this week because it's a, it's a really good topic. And the topic is uh, endpoint for security versus network security and where, where to invest your budget. And, and this is just like the, the topic du jour, right? Like you, you can, you can get a lot more bang for your buck at the network if it works. But if you, 
Uh, but if you want to get full coverage, probably the network's not going to work because people work remote. You know, people people have bring your own device. It, it just can't get everything that way. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, uh, Red Canary did reissue this blog post. It wasn't that we were going to look for old blog posts from tw- uh, yeah. 2016. Um, so this was something they reissued and noted in there that it was from 2016. Right. Uh, one thing that, as an aside, that I noticed in there also, they talked about how great Carbon Black is and that, you know, that's what they see as the uh, the bet, best endpoint to get their uh, their information from, which may still be true. But at that point, I think they only supported that Carbon was all Black. They offered, yeah. and, and now they uh, support several endpoint right. solutions as well. But anyway, yeah. it, it's a good topic. Um, you know, network versus endpoint, I think. In the past three years, uh, I think people have seen the value of endpoint telemetry over network, especially moving to the cloud and remote workers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's still a uh, valuable blog post. All right. Well, that is it for news. We have one more kind of announcement, though. The uh, So was it two years ago, the Colorado Technology Association, as a part of their Apex Awards, created a CISO of the Year Award. We talked just a few months ago about nominations being out for we that. Did. So there's a whole nomination process. People submit it. There's a judging group. The, then the judges come up with who their finalists are for the award. And just this week, uh, they've announced who the finalists are for each of the awards. And Rob, who are the finalists? Well, the finalists for the C the CISO of the year, and I'm not going to tell you about any other awards because there's only one award that matters. There's only one that's important. Uh, we have Debbie Blythe, a friend of the show and, and the uh, CISO for the state of Colorado. She Also nominated last year. And also not, she was a finalist, finalist last year. Finalist last year, yep. Um, and uh, uh, so she's one of the, the finalists. James Carter, friend of the show and CISO yeah. for, for Logarithm. Oh, also um, a finalist, finalist last year. Also a finalist last year. And the last one, I, I don't know who this is, um, Alexi Wood. I, I don't know that person either. <laughs> uh, so obviously, Alex, you were nominated as a finalist and um, going to be be one of our finalists going into it. Obviously, you're the CISO for Pulte Financial Services in the Tech Center area. So the three of you are going to, I believe what happens is during the Apex Awards, you guys go on the stage and you have a, a wrestling match. Is that how it works? Uh, you know, I have an advantage because I don't have any hair, so I can't have any hair pulled. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm almost also the largest physical human of the three of us, so that may also be an advantage. I Debbie, I, I I think she's got some some sneakiness in her. I, I, uh, she's scrappy. I wouldn't sleep on she, Debbie. She is very scrappy. <laughs> All right. Um, well, congratulations, Alex, to thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to Debbie and to James as well, and look look forward to seeing uh, how that shakes out. It, it's an honor to be nominated. Um, even bigger honor to be a finalist. Uh, I look forward to the award ceremony in November. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, moving on. That is it for news. Now moving over to the Slack message of the week. Big thanks to Andre Gata. Andre is our awesome sponsor for the Slack message of the week segment. Uh, as every week we not, we nominate or we award one person for a insightful or otherwise interesting comment in the Slack channel. And that person gets to pick one item from the Colorado equal security store. Uh, this week, our winner is Richard Johnson for sharing a super scary SIM chip vulnerability. Did you, did, I don't know if you had a chance to see this yet, but uh, there is some research basically around the ability to send a text to just about every phone in the world that that um, will immediately like own your SIM so they can do all kinds of crazy stuff from your phone. Yeah. It gets all the different handsets, your Apple, your Android, your, we're all owned. It's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. Um, Cell phones, the the underlying cell part of the cell phones, no matter how make how secure you make the rest of the cell phones, um, they are still 30 years old. So as so. soon as we turn off the cell phone part of our cell phones, we'll finally be there, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, congratulations to Richard. We'll, we'll get you connected with Andre to pick something from the store. Sweet. Uh, so let's move over to events. Uh, we've got a lot of great events that we want to talk about. Uh, Where can we find out more info about the events? You know, there is an event calendar on the website, Rob. So I bet if you wanted to find out about them, you could go to colorado-security.com and click on the link for the event calendar. I like it. Uh, first, uh, the CTA is doing their View from the Top CEO panel on September 16th. On the 18th, DenSec is doing their September meetup. This is the happy hour uh, late in the evening, I think 730 or so. They're once again back at the Rhine House, downtown Denver. Uh, ISSA Denver is doing an education workshop, the dark web and interactive tour on the 19th of September. It sounds spooky. Should, they should have put that closer to Halloween. Is that sort of like, you know, the Denver underground tour or something sounds like that? Sounds like it. Uh, next, uh, also on the 19th, 19th is, is actually a busy day, so be ready for more. Uh, ISACA Denver is doing their September meeting. I think this is their first meeting back from their summer break. So I think that should may be, be true. Also on the 19th, CSA Denver is doing their uh, September 2019 meeting. Uh, 
also on the 19th, ISC Square Denver is doing their September meeting and they have the FBI uh, doing a cybersecurity presentation there. Again on the 19th, along with the 20th, the NCC down in Colorado Springs is doing their 2019 Cyber Symposium. Uh, moving a over to the 20th, SecureSet is doing a Capture the Flag for beginners. So if you've been interested in getting into Capture the Flag, here's your chance. On the 21st, the ISSA Denver chapter is doing their uh, CISSP training. Um, I think we got this clarified. This week we are doing domains five and seven, which are IAM and security operations. You got it. Uh, exciting. Women in Security Denver is meeting on the 24th. This is a great group. If, if you're either a woman or you know women, uh, this would be a really good event for you to come and, and help support women in security. Also on the 24th, SecureSet is doing their expert series, Dorn Cybersecurity Security Program Bootcamp. Sounds exciting. On the 25th, ISSA Denver is doing a happy hour. If you just want to drink and talk security, this is your chance. Uh, if you also want to learn something on the 25th, ISC Squared Pikes Peak Chapter down in Colorado Springs is doing their September chapter meeting. On the 25th as well, ASIS Denver Mile High. ASIS is the physical security group here in town. They're doing an understanding the security job market meeting. So if you're looking for, I think this is probably more on the physical security side of things. If you're looking to understand the job market there or you want to send someone over there, be a good meeting. On the 26th, the CTA is doing their insight series, next generation customer experience, using data analytics and AI to drive differentiation. It'd be awesome to see a bunch of security people there figuring out how to use security to make customer experience better. That'd be cool. Uh, and then finally, on the 26th and 27th, there's a two-day event, a finance and accounting professionals Rocky Mountain Area Conference. So this is really relevant for our auditor types who, who need to get some CPA, CPEs and uh, maybe learn a little bit about auditing. And I think all the security people should show up there and tell the uh, finance and accounting people uh, not to fall for phishing emails and uh, you know set, get money transferred to the wrong places. Have you seen the, the new video from uh, Javad Malik uh, with... Uh, so he he did the CISSP one a while back. Yeah. You see the new one? I have not. This week. So it's um uh so they did a parody of the Ride With Me song uh and it's uh it's basically lost all the money and it's it's the finance guy who who wired all the money from a business email compromise and I'm planning to use it for my next finance training for my inside my company. I like it. Uh so that's it for the events. Let's move on to jobs first. Um and again of note, Rob does not have any jobs this week. Uh, Western Union is looking for a cybersecurity GRC assurance leader. Uh, the Secretary of State is hiring a network security engineer. Recurly is looking for a security analyst. Goldstone Partners is hiring a security operations specialist. DCP Midstream is looking for a cloud security specialist. Terumo BCT is hiring a software security architect. Shutterstock is looking for a cloud security architect. Taxjar is hiring a security analyst. Demisto is looking for a cloud security systems engineer. And finally, Encana is hiring an IT analyst intern. Hey, good stuff. Good way to get in. Yeah. Uh, well, that is it for the news part of the podcast. I sat down this week with Serge Borso. Serge is the founder and CEO of SpiderSec, and he's also been uh, really involved with OWASP here in town for years and worked for a couple of the different local companies as well. Awesome. I look forward to the interview. All right. Well, that's it. And we'll look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thanks, Rob. Hi, this is Chad Payne, Executive Director of IT Operations for Cranky Sports and Entertainment. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security for Colorado security professionals by Colorado security professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is Rob Reck, and I am today sitting with Serge Borso. Um, Serge, you are a, a man of many talents, and we're going to talk through many of those, including uh, the company that you run, your work in the community, and a new book you've written. But before we do that, I want to take it back. And I want to understand, what did it take for you to set the record for the 40-yard dash in high school? Oh, man. Well, first off, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate that. It's a great opportunity. And, yeah, so that was my first claim to fame, the 40-yard dash in high school. I was a senior in high school, and I had to run fast from time to time. And I was, I was always a fast runner ever since elementary school. And, uh, you know, it just happened one day. We were you know, in gym class, and we're doing the regular tryouts for presidential fitness. I always won those presidential fitness awards. I always oh, stayed in really so good you shape. Could do, you could do pull-ups. Yes. The pull-ups were the hard part for me at that time. I yeah. still can do those. Um, I bought a pull-up bar not too long ago, yeah. actually. I can still yeah, do The, in, the indoor mount ones? Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I got myself up to about 12. Nice. I could do. 
yeah. yeah, that was a while ago. But anyway, yeah, 40 yard dash. Just, uh, yeah, I could always run really fast. And I did it that day and I set a new record. So was this a record for the school or school. the, the oh, nice. school record? But the, the gym teacher didn't really like me. Hmm. And I tried to, you know, make it official. Like, hey, man, by the way, you, you just confirmed I set the record here. We should, we should do some celebration maybe or something like that. He's like, yeah, whatever. Just penciled it in and it was, that was the end of it. Never yeah. really heard anything about it again. So, you know, moving up to more recently, I understand you also like to do some woodworking and, and you said you've made desks. That's, that's pretty hardcore stuff. It's true. It's true. I've made some desks. And where that came from, <laughs> I was taking that gym class back in high school. Yeah. I was also taking a woodworking shop yeah. back in high school. And I'm thinking, since the gym teachers didn't give me the, the accolades I think I deserve for breaking this record for the school, you know, maybe I'll make a little plaque in my woodworking class to, <laughs> to commemorate it. Uh, I never actually went through that, I don't think. But anyway, here I am however many years later, and do, I do woodworking. I enjoy working with my hands and yeah. tools, and yeah, I have created desks. I used to work uh, for a company. I actually brought in a desk because they didn't have the the, the very desks, yeah. whatever they call them nowadays, for the your sit-stand. Sit desk, stand. Yeah. Exactly. And so I actually created my own desk and brought it in on top of my desk so I had a stand-up desk. Oh, nice. It worked out really well. I used uh, redwood. I inlaid it with slate tile wow. and grouted it, and uh, it kind of a maybe weird combination if you're just thinking, you know, wood and slate together but they're not really nice so it's the most expensive desk i'm sure you you make your own it's not it's not any cheaper that way right i i never really thought about the the cost piece of it um yeah. I, it's just for me it's something I, I enjoy doing anytime i've made something with my own hands i always spend way too much on the wood and way sure. too much buying new tools to do it and that's uh, a reality of it yeah. like you gotta get a new chisel a new router and uh, i gotta buy a whole bag of grout for this one little project i'm doing right. but uh th- th- with that it's it's cool because you end up getting a, a high quality product yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily be able to go get from ikea so, yeah i you know for me it's it's not just that it's high quality it's it's exactly what I wanted. Right? There you go. It's built to my specifications, you know, exactly the right height width. It's going to fit yes. my, my use case. So do you have your own studio in, in your own home or how do you do this? Yeah, I was doing that in, in my garage. I've, I've stepped back for a while, but I like what you said. I mean, you get exactly what you want, mm-hmm. which it's like a custom built cabinet. But, yeah. but more to that point, I really like what you said, that you get exactly what you want. And that's, I think that's a key takeaway because you can, you can create and get to walk away with something tangible. And I, I really like that. I really like that thought. But uh, like I said, it's been a while since I've been able to, to do that. I've been really busy with all the other stuff in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So uh, let's talk about how you, you know, how did you become a, a prof- security professional? Where did this whole thing start? Well, I originally came from the Midwest, okay. believe it or not, like a lot of people currently in Colorado yeah. kind of migrated here. It's such an awesome state to be in. <laughs> I knew that even when I was a teenager. Like, yeah. uh, I'm graduating high school. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do with my life? And it was like, I've heard good things about Denver, Colorado. I've never heard anything bad about it, certainly. <laughs> so uh, let's check that out. And I flew out one time to uh, check out a university to go to. Yeah. And basically fell in love with the whole idea of what I, what I met out here and moved. And then from there, it was, you know, how to get started in s- security. It was... Or technology even, right? Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's really we, what it was. Before I even moved from the Midwest out here, it was, um, I was, you know, Napster, in the days of Napster back sure. in the day. Mm-hmm. And you had, I had friends. And so there's like, a lot of young people listening. What is Napster? Napster <laughs> was the original way to pirate content. <laughs> no, no. To share share music and there share other files, go. right? Yeah, a file sharing service before Kim.com and Mega Upload, you know, yeah. that type of stuff. It was Napster. And Napster, you know, you could, uh, you could rip your CD, you know, go to Best Buy, buy a CD, and rip it, basically copy it, then upload it, and share with your friends. Yeah, and, and everyone could start downloading from yours as you're downloading other people's songs. And There you go. You know, that's how piracy torrent. works. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I was doing any of that per se, but yeah, I got my start with like Napster, those type of things, yeah. or, or Doom, and patching Doom, and patching Quake, so you can play without the CD, have it be installed mm-hmm. on your computer, that type of stuff. So there's a handful of people that know that type of th- that type of knowledge. I mean, yeah. you go to school with people, or you meet people on the street, only a certain amount of people know how to do all that. So they might come to me and say, hey, can you help with this? I want some of these songs or I want um, whatever the case may be that I can help out with from a technology perspective. And that's even before I moved out here. So I had a little bit of background, grew up with a computer, grew up with you know computers in the house. So I had that background information on, okay. uh, on how to use IT, so to speak. Um, and then from there, you know, moving out to Colorado back uh, around 2003, 2004, when I made that transition, it was, okay, now let's see how I can parlay my knowledge into a, a career. So was it, you coming? did you come out for school or, or a was, job? Or it both? was school. Okay. It was school specifically. It yeah. was, 
So it was to start a new life. Is yeah. really what it was, um, b because uh, where I grew up, it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity. Sure. Quite frankly, so I wanted to, you know, start my life and go to get a degree and start doing what I wanted to do. So and what kind of what's, where did you land for school? I went to Johnson and Wales University. I don't think I know Johnson. I mean, I've heard the name, but are, are they aren't they like a remote university? Do they have like Denver presence? Or yep, they're they're thing? on a Quebec and I seventy ish. Uh, actually, Montview Boulevard. Okay. And uh, and Quebec they have a campus yeah. there, and they're known for culinary arts. Okay. But I didn't go there for culinary arts. Uh, I went there for business administration. Okay. And I was paying for it out of pocket in cash because by the time I I was eighteen, I moved out here. I had amassed money. I'd saved a lot of money. I was really good at saving money. Yeah. And uh, I had the money to pay for it for like a couple semesters. And I was like, oh, this isn't really going to work long term. <laughs> I can't afford this. I can afford like one semester. So that didn't last uh, too long at Johnson & Wales. But I did, I did get a job there working part-time in the, the IT department. So oh, I, nice. I was imaging machines and I was learning about hardware more and more from people who are much more educated right. and smarter than I was. And I just kept on learning more and more about computers. So you got, you got the job of doing like the desktop support there type work for Johnson & Wales. Exactly. And, and you dropped out of school there. At, to. at some point, and and just were doing the job still there still. They wouldn't let me because uh, oh. it was uh, you had to be a student to have that job type okay. of thing. So I think I stuck around for another semester while I was taking like one class, and uh, it, it, I, I couldn't last because like I said, it's paying out of pocket. Yeah. I wasn't smart enough to like oh I have to get a loan and a co-signer and all yeah. that stuff. I'm 18 years old, you know. I'm just kind of Math is hard head. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got well, yeah, that age. Yeah, there's challenges. <laughs> it, it is. No, I'm with you. <laughs> So yeah, I kind of took it from there, and you know, I had that passion though. At that at that age, I kind of already knew what I really enjoyed doing. Yeah. And from there, I just took it to the next level, if you will. And yeah. I, so what was next? I enrolled in another college, and okay. it got a co-signer, got some loans, yeah, and stuck it out um, quickly. Okay. Very quickly. Like I graduated, and literally not like I graduated in twenty six months. Wow. Zero to finish. That's amazing. The bachelor's Good for you. Degree. Where was this? Yeah. Where'd you go? <laughs> the now defunct Westwood College. <laughs> okay. I don't think I knew West. Did they, they were a for-profit that went out yeah, of business exactly. during Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so that was that. Uh, but my, my master's degree is more reputable. It's from CTU. Nice. But uh, yeah, so I went to Westwood and got in, got out, got my degree, and then immediately got a job. What was, what was your degree in? Was it still a uh, business administration? Or it was e-business management. E-business. So e-business, nice. electronic business management. Nice. So I was doing website design and um, some IT and security. We had Windows, Windows uh, Server 2003 boxes yeah. and some C++ coding. and So IT stuff and then with a focus on business, like for e-commerce. Yeah. That's really what it was. So 2006, 2007, you, you, you got out with your degree uh, yep. right before the, the economy yeah. Tur turned to poop. Yeah, 2006, <laughs> I graduated in uh, December, I believe. Okay. And and then within a couple months, I had a job in 2007. What and was I your was, first gig? The, the first, the, my first real one, I was doing stuff before that on and off, um, but the first real one was actually at, at I want to make sure I enunciate this properly, Harland Financial Solutions. Not Heartland, the, the big data breach. Yeah. One. It was Harland. Did I know this? Did we ever talk about the we fact did that you once, worked I there think. and I worked there? Okay. Yes, we did. So you were down down on the, the tech center over Easter of, of 25 then. That's exactly where awesome. I was at. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And uh, so Harland acquired Ca Cavion, and mm -hmm. I was with Cavion. And you worked with, with Alec over there at the time? Yeah. Alec Johnson and Jeff Marshall, Jason yeah. Marshall, all those guys. Great, yeah. great, smart people. Brilliant people. That was the... That was really a defining moment in my life, in my career path, because of the tremendous amount of talent and smart people I got to work with. Like the yeah. people we just mentioned, those are really smart people. Yeah. I learned so much from all those people over there. It so how long were you there? Three, two or three years, I think. And were you doing security or IT or both? I started in web development for that company. Oh, okay. And then one year later, I transitioned into security on the security team. Yeah. And the reason... Um, the reason why is because I love security. I always had a passion for it. And at that point in time, Harlan had this awesome um, opportunity where you could do the uh, tuition reimbursement. Mm -hmm. So I, I was going to get my master's degree at CTU, yeah. and they were paying for it. And then I graduated with my master's degree and said, hey, by the way, Cavion, Harlan, guys, I would love to transition into security if possible. And right. uh, of course, uh, there, there was a position that was open, and the timing was you know, serendipity, if you will. Yeah, and just smoothly transition right into that. For another two years, I stayed there until I didn't have to pay back the student, <laughs> the student loan or the uh, tuition right. reimbursement anymore. And it's yeah. like, okay, give me. A, uh, I would. I think I'm worth a little bit more money now at this point in my career. Sure. And um, I left. 
I got more money. <laughs> You're ready to do your next thing. Exactly. All right, so you were ready to move on. Where, where did you go next? I followed Vince Grimard's lead, and Vince was in the, charge of security over yeah. there at Harland. And he went to a place called Nelnet, mm -hmm. and the Nelnet Student Loan Company organization, and I followed suit with him. I mean, yeah. he was um, a really great leader that I've always respected over the years, and it seemed like a logical choice to make um, because we had that rapport and that, uh, that you know, respect. And it's like, okay, we got a new opportunity over here. Let's go check it out. So you were Nelnet. Um, they're down the south side of town as well, so correct. You know, pretty, pretty close. It wasn't close too far. By. Yeah, it's like two twenty-five in Parker Road. Yeah. And the only thing I knew about Nelnet was I had an outstanding student loan with it for a while, and I didn't like them. That's the only thing I knew. I used to drive down Parker Road going north and see the Nelnet sign on the the logo on the building. It's like I don't like you guys. And because then, they want you to pay them back. That's the money exactly that you right. Owe them. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who you are very well. I, don't, I know I don't like you though. That's the only thing I knew about Nelnet. Yeah. And then next thing I know, I'm applying for a position. I'm doing my fingerprints and my FBI interview, and the FBI person's coming to my house and talk to my neighbors about me yeah. for my clearance. You had to get cleared for Nelnet. Huh? Absolutely, because of the uh, the because of the Department of Education contract that Nelnet has okay. to service all the student loans. So, what was your responsibility there at Nelnet? What did you do there? Security analyst for about a year. And that was the, one of my first cool projects there was actually getting rid of all of our SSL version 3. Mm -hmm. Poodle, Poodle come out or is about to come out somewhere around that time frame. And we had to disable SSL version 3. But it wasn't easy because it wasn't just like, oh, you're, you're a security analyst and you're in charge. No, I didn't have any access to the firewalls other than view only. I didn't have any access to the servers. I couldn't physically do it myself. Yeah. So it was more of a... I need to work with the teams at that company, the disparate teams across all the different business units and entities and websites we own and domains we own and servers and locations to get them <laughs> to, to do it to their systems. That was one of the first projects I had. And then within a year, I was promoted to a senior security engineer and moved on to you know, uh, IPS, intrusion prevention system, intrusion detection system, penetration testing, uh, more and more of that type of stuff the uh, vulnerability scanning, threat vulnerability remediation program, hmm. and more stuff than I can even think of right now. It was just an, a, a significant amount of work that my, my several years of experience before that had really done a good job of hmm. preparing me for. So I could come in there, with, hit the ground running, and really take the reins, if you will, to, yeah. to meet the objectives of the organization. So how long did you, did you stay there? I was there for eight years. Oh wow, that's a good run. It was. Holy smokes. Best company I've worked for in my life. It was awesome, awesome job. Underneath uh, Vince's leadership, we had complete freedom to do what we needed to do to secure the company. Hmm. And that, that meant, you know, complete run of the, run of the land, basically. We, we had the, the backing of management to get stuff done, and we, we could basically say, this is the project we want to go with, we want to implement IPSs, or we want to implement whatever it was, a security awareness training program. And we could go from zero to 100%, complete it fully, very high quality, set our own timetables, and just feel like you're really making a great impact. And that was, going back to the woodworking thing we talked about to start yeah. this podcast off with, it's like you get to, to create something and walk away with a tangible, wow, I just built this and it's awesome. And that's how it was at Nelnet for many, many years. It was just, like I said, the best job I've ever had. So you were there for for eight years. That's that's a, that's pretty good for for this line of work. Um, why in the world did you ever leave? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, it, it was so I was getting paid very well. I was getting respected, treated well. I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and in a very respectful way. That I mean that I, I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah, I worked from home, uh, worked remotely, travel if I wanted to, didn't travel if I didn't need to or didn't want to. It was spectacular. So how do you walk away from something like that? They gave me everything I, I needed and wanted to be successful and happy. And the, the answer is SpiderSec, that company I created. Yeah. And it was after years and years of, of doing what I've been doing, I reached like the 10-year decade mark of being a professional, of, of doing information security from system security, application security, penetration testing to enterprise security to so on and so forth. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I love what I do. And this is my passion. And now I'm gonna start my own company. So how did I walk away from it? It was building my company with total permission from the people I'm working with at my at Nelnet to yeah. say, go ahead and start it off. And if you want to stick with it, stick with it. If it fails, it fails. If it's successful, it's successful. And having that backing and support 
to go ahead and, and delve into it feet first. And, and what happened was Spider Tech has become very successful and to the point where it's like I can, I can walk away and focus on what I love to do for myself. And that's how I did it. So let's, let's go to the very beginning when you chose to start a side company. Like what was going through your head that made you think, yeah, I want to add a bunch more work to my life. Like, talk me through this, this thought process. So a big piece of it was how I could help Nelnet secure our own customers, our own users, our own business units. Mm. If, I can, if I can add more knowledge and get better at what I'm doing um, with other opportunities such as my side company, then I can take that knowledge back to Nelnet and make them more secure too. So it's kind of the win-win type of situation there. And that's kind of the mentality I took when I embarked down this journey because the end goal is the same, whether it's my own company or a company I'm working with or for. It's I want security to become more tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it to become better. So it doesn't yeah. really matter who I'm working for. That's my that's my overarching goal. So if I can get more knowledge over here in this area and bring it back to home, then we're all getting better because of that. So what kind of work did you do in 2015 when you started doing SpiderSec? What, what kind of work were you doing? I chilled. I played it cool. I didn't try to bite off more than I can chew. And I got my paperwork in order. I got all my registration for like uh, your ITIN number and yeah. um, how I'm going to do proposals, how I'm going to do contracts, and how I'm going to make sure that I know what I'm doing on the kind of the the operational back-end paperwork side because I already know how to pen test. I already knew how to do all of the professional things I've been doing for you know 10 plus years at that point in time in my life. And then it was just a, a matter of how can I make sure I'm not going to screw up these other things I'm not really that familiar with yet. So I did not go out and hire a salesperson or take out a loan or anything like that. I just played it cool. I was just like one step at a time. And that's how I did it. So 2015, 2016 even, it was like a couple of gigs here, a couple of gigs there, make sure I'm making my customers happy, the ones that I do have. And how, how did you find your first customers? Um, good question. I think a lot of it, some of it maybe from just being more of a vocal voice in the community. So OWASP meetups, ISSA, um, even speaking at conferences, things like that. So I just try to get my, my name out there a little bit yeah. more. And you go talk at a conference, it says spider sack on the slide somewhere and somewhere. maybe people hear, maybe, yeah. people hear, people hear <laughs> what you do and they, they reach out. That was it. Cause to this day, I mean, sales isn't usually a huge focus of us. I mean, it's, it's usually uh, recurring customers. They, lo- they yeah. love what we do. And we, we kept on getting that, that business coming back to us. And that's a big, it's that and word of mouth. Frankly. Yeah. So 2016, you're, you're still going pretty slow there. How, Absolutely. At what point did, you know, did you see it going from like a couple of projects here and there to starting to see some momentum? 2017 got some momentum. 2018, I was doing very well um, as far as, you know, if you compare my salary to my secondary salary, it's like, oh, this is, this can be just fine. Okay. <laughs> and you, you do that for a couple of years and it's like, you get the confidence, you get the savings, yeah. and it's like I can I can make this this leap now and not be right. too concerned. Were you about able it. to like replace your full normal salary through the side work stuff? Okay, yep. that's that's your nodding yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> For those listening at home, <laughs> it's a nodding yes. Uh, and that that obviously, like you said, makes you feel really confident that if you can do this on a part time. What happens if I'm going to go full time at it? Right. You know, it's like oh, the the opportunities that will arise, yeah. and and that's the reality of it. It's like if I can do this as a, a part time gig, not getting much sleep, you know, because I've still got a full time job right. and all the other duties I have. It's like if I'm dedicating, if, and the other thing is, if I'm going to be true to myself as an entrepreneur and as someone who has the passion for this, I have to kind of let go at some point and dedicate this, and dedicate 100% of my time yeah. to. Otherwise, I'm not really being fair to myself and the future me. So, you know, 2017 timeframe, 2018, things started picking up. Were you still one, a one-man shop? Or you have you have salespeople helping you or help, to help anybody helping you deliver? Right. So the answer to that is, at that point in time, and even to this day, it's kind of similar. Where I'm, I'm kind of the main person. I had a, a, a partner, have a partner, Shannon, and he's much smarter than I am. I met him actually back at Harlan, yeah. <laughs> so I've known him for all these years. And he helps out when there's need to need to be. And then contractors. So people I've known over the years, and kind of like like you, you know, you meet some people, you you keep those contacts, you you have respect for them if they're really high quality what they do. Then in my situation, I reached out to them and said, hey, I got a, a big pen test coming up or this big engagement I need some help with or an RFP I need you know, to make sure I have people lined up to help out with. Right. And, you know, do the background checks. I already know who they are and their quality, but, you know, do due diligence, make sure right. they're, they're good to go. And then they help out. And that's where I'm at to this day. I've also started a 
program with SecureSet for um, apprenticeship, an apprenticeship program. Mm -hmm. So I teach core at SecureSet. And what does that mean, teach core? Teach core. So SecureSet has like a hunt program and a core program. And core is it's more hands-on, in-depth, if you will. And That's the 20-week program, right? There you go. Versus the, the hunt program is 12 weeks, I think. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. So it's the, the more in-depth. Now, when you say you teach you teach core, you don't, you're not teaching all of the courses there, right? Definitely not. So no, I authored two of my, I authored Net 300 and Net 400, which is application security. Yeah. And I teach those classes. I try to teach those every single cohort that comes through. Yeah. I don't always have time to, but um, it, it's great. But with that, I get to meet the up-and-coming talents. And sometimes you get some really, really great students. And they're all great students, but you know what I mean. Sometimes you have some people yeah. that are just head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, I have some positions I might want to be filling here at some point and I want to you know, see what I can do to help out the community and you know work with SecureSet for that partnership and so Brett Fund and I came up with the idea for an apprenticeship program where we'll have um, a student from SecureSet and uh, they'll fit right into uh, SpiderSec. What does an apprenticeship look like? What's that What's that mean? So still being fleshed out. We do have, I have one right now and he's been going through the program. It's a six-month program and with that entails is basically working on security projects with SpiderSec. So we meet, try to meet once a, once a week physically and talk about kind of the goals and objectives, make sure that the apprentice has what she or he needs to be successful. And I'm, I'm meeting kind of their goals and they're meeting my goals while giving them work and paying them to do jobs. Nice. Yep. So they're getting that hands-on. It, it, it's a lot like an internship, except uh, is there just more hand, uh, one-on-one -on -one at time? How, how would you say this differs from an internship? Different name. It's Just, called an apprenticeship. But, but, very, but very similar. Very <laughs> yeah. similar to an internship. I think it's okay. just, yeah, pretty much exactly the same. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I, I, I do want to definitely hear about this new book. I, I saw on LinkedIn recently that you, you published a book. What's that about? So okay. the, the book is called The Penetration Tester's Guide to Web Applications. And all the way back from the Harland Financial Solutions days, doing, it was, I was online banking, e-commerce, yeah. uh, for online banking applications. I, my job was to make sure the application was secure, <laughs> quite frankly. So it's like, uh, yeah, you take all those years of experience doing that stuff and then doing it for, for other companies as well. And that's become my specialty as a SANS instructor. I'm teaching SEC 542, web app pen testing, ethical hacking, and Dev 522, which is the defense side of web applications. And it's, not, it's an area I know a lot about. So if you're thinking about writing a book and this conversation about the book, it's like the publishing company came to me. They reached out to me and said, hey, it looks like you might know something that could be useful. Which company reached out? Our Tech House Publishing. The publishing company is called Our Tech House. Okay. I'd never heard of them before, and I'd never heard of the contact who reached out, but uh, they said, hey, it might be an opportunity here for you to write a book. I said, okay, that sounds interesting. I'm super busy right now. And by the way, they told me you need to come up with uh, some ideas for topics. Yeah. For the book, I was like, okay, well, like for what the book would be about, exactly, or like the chat, okay, now what the book would be about. Okay, and I was like, well, if I'm gonna write a book, I there's only one thing I can write. About. <laughs> it better be yeah. something I know it's really, be really well. <laughs> <laughs> it better be something I, I'm an expert in, or I feel you know I'm, I know a lot about. Yeah, so that's where it naturally came from. It's like that's kind of my area of expertise, sure, among others, but that's how I feel pretty strong there. So when did they reach out to you? Maybe June of 2018-ish. All right, so just, just over a year ago. And what was the process for you? You said, hey, this is a good idea, but writing a book, I mean, that's a lot of work. Uh, how, did you, how did you do this? Right, writing a book is a significant amount of work. So <laughs> what I did was I said, yeah, this is great, uh, great idea. We did some back and forth contract negotiations. And I said, okay, this, I can start in like four months from now because I'm super busy. Yeah. <laughs> I can dedicate some you time. You were still working at Nelnet then, right? Was I? Yeah, I was. I yeah. was. And my own sign company. And yeah. it's like, I don't have time for this. I have no time. Yeah. So a lot of sleepless nights, to, just to be real with you and, yeah. and the audience out there. Yeah. And if you want something, you got to push really hard to pursue it. So that's what I did. I, I lost a lot of sleep or, you know, I just didn't get it and worked really hard to write this book. And the, the biggest pain point is it wasn't just me writing a book and coming up with sentences and paragraphs and making them flow together and examples. It was, I had to format the images in the book and have the left-hand alignments and the page numbers and the title of each page. I had to align all that stuff myself. In, so the in publisher text. doesn't help with anything? No, <laughs> I tried wow. to negotiate that in the contract. It's like, hey guys, I can write a book. I'm thinking in my head, I'll just use Microsoft Word, open up a new Word document and I'll type it up and I'll send in the PDF for the Word document and they can, adjust it as right. need be. Right. No. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, they said, you got to use text, latex, the T-E-X. I was like, what the heck is latex? What are you guys talking So I'm Googling it. I'm like, oh, dude, seriously? You guys do that. I'll write the book. You guys are the publishing company. Yeah. You guys can figure it out. They're like, no, that's not how it works, Serge. You're going to have to do that yourself. So what, are the, what value do they offer versus just self-publishing on Amazon? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Okay. I, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, well, no, that's a crappy answer. I'm sure there's a lot of value in it. I just, I've never self-published, so I can't speak to that, that okay. component of it. They publish a real physical hardcover book. I know that piece, and they yeah. help with sales. They have a... Promotions and stuff. There you go. There's, okay. there's, that's a better answer. Marketing and getting your, getting your word out to their, their existing pipeline. There you go. Okay. Exactly. And they're, this, it's available in the UK and Australia and then you know, North American markets and so on and so forth. So yeah. they, they help with that whole component of what really goes into publishing a book and the copy editing and, and all that stuff. So yeah, they, a bunch of humans looked at it. They checked it out, made sure it was um, technically high quality because it wasn't just editing, make sure you don't have typos. It's editing, make sure this is relevant and some other security professional has looked at review. There you go. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, so so they so you just published, right? When, when did this thing actually go go out to the world? The July 2019, so the beginning of this month is when it's officially released. And do you have plan? Is it going to be a textbook for a secure set in the future? Are you going to teach from this? That'd thing? be cool. <laughs> if I can get into all the colleges and universities in the United States, I mean, that'd be great. But no, unlikely. What I based this book off of was the OWASP Top 10. Okay. So the Top 10, you know, web application vulnerabilities, and that gets updated by OWASP about every three or four ish years. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, next one of those might be released in 2020. So I'll update the book accordingly, and at that point, maybe try to push it more to uh, to other niche components in the community because it's not necessarily a, a textbook that you can just go in and it's going to teach you everything you need to know. It, it's it's um, a specialty, you know, it's penetration testing for web applications, and that's but that's but that's what the world is right now. I mean, n not to say that there's nothing else to pen test, but that's what a lot of people are looking for, right? Web application pen tests. APIs, mobile apps, web applications. Do you go into APIs at all on there? Or Not you, much. You're just, a just the web app itself? Just the web app. Okay. We don't talk about mobile. Um, I do talk a little bit about APIs in the book, but that's not a, not a huge focus of it. It's, it's the OWASP top 10, how to find yeah. it, how to exploit it. Here's some examples. And here are some hands-on labs. People don't know that. But nice. If you buy the book, you got access to labs for free. So everyone who's listening, well, of the people who are listening, who should most go pick up this book and, and read it? Who's the right audience for that? The right audience for that would be people penetration testing right now or wanting to get into penetration testing or people who want to take a closer look at assessing the security of their web applications specifically. Yeah, that's great. So I'm just thinking like there's there's gotta be a part of you that's just like, hey, I just, I just wrote a book. That's pretty awesome. Like, you know, bucket list type of a thing to accomplish in your life, right? That's pretty awesome. <laughs> What else do you get from this? What's you know? I, I, I'm guessing some marketing for your your business. Hopefully, this this helps your business bring in some, some That'd be customers. Cool. That'd be nice. Now, uh, haven't really thought about this. Uh, it's crossed my mind, but it was going back to contract negotiations with the publishing company, yeah. and I'm thinking, um, how much effort is it going to take? I have to learn latex, whatever that is. Yeah. How much am I going to get paid for this? Is it worth my time? These are real things you have to think right. about. You know, because time is money. I don't, I don't get to dedicate time yeah. for free. And they're, they're, you know what they told me? Hmm. They said, this is your first book, and it's really about the prestige. It's like, oh, okay. So it's, the, it's the bucket list, right? It's the, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. Like, that's, that's why people do this. So this is why authors who've never written a book before write their first book. is for the prestige. Yeah. So don't expect to get rich off of it, which never went through my mind at all. Don't expect to you know, get more sales from my company off of it, hmm. which would be nice, but I'm not anticipating that either. So it's, it's just, yeah. uh, you know what, really another big driver for me for all this was SANS. Hmm. I'm still working my way up to becoming a certified SANS instructor. Okay. I'm a community instructor. I've actually just recently got promoted to um, a certified instructor candidate status. That's okay. why I still have several more runs. Probably if I'm lucky, it'll be next year I'll get certified finally with SANS. It's taking uh, a very, very long time to become certified, a certified SANS instructor. Hmm. And now with this one more thing underneath my belt, yeah. This one more thing of saying, hey, everyone at Sands, by the way, I just wrote a book. Uh, maybe we can... On the thing that I'm teaching. There you go. It, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so that was a big driver. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, to okay. get that vector back on information. That's awesome. So what is, you know, what does 2020 look like for you? What, how are you planning to, to move forward from here? So moving forward from here, I I'm, I'm really want to focus on maintaining and 
not a huge amount of growth yet. I'm still playing it cool with that. Um, okay. I don't want to get it over my head. You know, spider sex been spider sec has been debt free since day one. Been profitable because yeah. I had the, the secondary job at, at yeah. that point in time. But uh, no loans, no taking out, getting it over my head type of thing. Yeah. I want to make sure that we keep the the grassroots efforts working smoothly, and it continue to improve the current services that we have because we only focus in on a few different things and we, it's penetration testing awareness training and some discovery services that's it we're not trying to be all things to all people we're not a, an ASV or we don't QSAs we're not doing anything right. like that we have very narrow focus so I want to make sure that kind of like as someone writes a mobile app or an application it's like it's never done you release version 1.0 and then 1.1 comes out and 1.2 yeah. and so on and so forth I think it's the same general idea with the business where it's like I have these services. I want to make sure that they're as best they possibly can be and just make sure that the customer gets the best quality experience they can get. Hmm. So you're, um, you're also involved in the community. I'd love to hear, you know, I know you're, you're the president of, of the OWASP chapter here in Denver. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that group's about and what you do there? Sure. So I'm, I was recently voted in as the president of the Denver OWASP chapter. Uh, took over from uh, Matt Schufeld and Steve Costin before him and a, a long line of great leaders, quite frankly, and those are some really smart people uh, that I, I admire a lot. And what we're doing here at OWASP is you know, we're really trying to just educate the community on best practices for securing applications. And that's really what it comes down to. But with that, it's not always application focused. So I talked about the OWASP top 10, I wrote the book based on the OWASP top 10. For anybody not familiar, it's the Open Web Application Security Project. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. It's, it's um, free open source type of software and solutions and um, checklists, cheat sheets, that type of stuff for basically securing your application, whether it's a yeah. mobile app or an API or a web app. And what we're trying to do at OWASP is <coughs> keep that community involvement going. Make, make sure we're getting a bunch of people showing up to our meetings all the time. So tell me about your meetings. How frequently do those happen? We're doing every other month. Okay. And we just had one this month we, and then two in months July. from now. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, July of 2019. And so you have one in September. There you go. And are you moving them around now? It looks we like, are now, yep. It looks like it, it used to be a Chinook Tavern and then it was at Dave & Buster's for a while and, and this last one was downtown. Exactly. So we were at Chinook for, it feels like probably years. a year, years. maybe a couple of years. years yeah. And then we, it's down south, so Chinook Tavern's yeah. like Arapahoe and I-25, which right. isn't convenient for anyone who's not in that area, in the DTC right. area. So we, we were very lucky to have spectacular sponsors in Solutions 2. Yeah. And they sponsored us for years. You know, Jeff Kowalski, uh, Mick Welling over there at Solutions yep. 2. Great, great partners. And we moved up to, uh, like you said, Dave & Buster's off I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. We were there for years as well, I think a couple of years. And now we're trying to make sure that as we continue forward with, without necessarily that same sponsorship, because Solutions 2 isn't able to, to do it right now, um, that we're still able to kind of meet the need of the the people. So that means moving downtown, trying to find a little bit cheaper stuff to do and still looking for partnerships sure. and sponsors. So do you know where you're going to be in the September meeting? Not right now. Okay. Today, uh, today, still looking know. for the location? All right. Yeah, the last one we were at is right downtown, like you mentioned. I think it worked out okay. I'm still getting some feedback from people to see if we'd want to do that again. The The price was right, but now you're downtown. If it's yeah. a ball game going on or something. Hard to park. And there you that. go. It really is. So how many folks do you normally have coming to your meetings? I know you guys have got pretty big. We have gotten big. Back in the day at our peak, we were 120 plus people showing up sure. regularly. And then that that seems to trickle off kind of in the, the summertime months. And we didn't have anywhere near that this month. Okay. But uh, we hope to keep it around 100 people would be, okay. would be nice. And, and I know you guys have a big conference you put together, I, th I think in conjunction with the Boulder OWASP chapter, right? Um, the Snowfrock Correct. event. Correct. Uh, what does is, what is Snowfrock stand for? Uh, I know the Front Range Open, OWASP Conference. I don't know what the snow part of it is, though. <laughs> so what, what is, what's that event? Yeah, the Front Range OWASP Conference, and it's our, our annual get-together for, um, yeah, our, our chapter, so if, yeah. if you will. Uh, kind of like you, uh, Rocky Mountain Frame Security Conference. It's, it's a big conference like that, not quite at that scale. But yeah. um, we've been having great success down there at the Cable Center in the last few years. Yeah, and it's a great venue. Yeah, it, it really is nice. It really is. And it's kind of the culmination. So we do, like I said, every other month there's a OWASP meeting, and this is the culmination of okay, let's get everyone together, get a huge conference going, get some really good food, really good speakers. Yeah. And this, just have this, a great this day. year you guys had Troy Hunt, uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so Troy Hunt is oh, a you know, a big journalist slash researcher. Have I been pwned owner? Who's supposed to be a keynote, and then travel kind of got in the way, right? 
snow got in the way. So yeah. we lived up to our name with Snowfrack. Yeah. Absolutely. He was such an awesome guy for coming out and making it. He was stuck in California. I mean, he's from Australia. Right. So everyone knows Australia. That's quite a distance to travel. But he came in. And right. he did it, and he got stranded over there. In Los Angeles, right? Yeah, yeah stuck, stuck in LA. And stuck in LA because they wouldn't take him into Denver with the big snowstorm he had. He made it, though. He made it towards the end of the night, and he did his talk, and we hung out afterwards, got some good sushi. And for anybody who took around, they got to see him. Um, but yeah, he was our, he was our big keynote from last year. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, any other engagement stuff you, from the community you want to talk about? Wasn't there one other group? Oh, you're, you're teaching for Sam's. That's what I was thinking of. Um, anything else you want to share with the community about what you're up to? Yeah, SecureSet, SANS, OWASP, yeah. SpiderSec. If someone wants to reach out to you, how should they do it? LinkedIn.com forward slash Serge Borso. Or I don't tweet very much, but I'm starting to do it more so. What happened was, with, when I wrote that book, I told you about the free lab access. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, how do I want people to contact me? Do I, how am I going to do the authentication for this? How am I going to give out credentials and hold on to all this stuff? Yeah. And, Security, you know, you know all yeah. about identity. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it's like I don't want to have to keep people's passwords and hash them, and that's the yeah. security. I don't want to deal with all that. So I'm thinking, how am I gonna have this contact thing? I'll, I know I'll have them send me a direct message on Twitter, and I'll give them uh, like a token, and then they can get an API key with that. I don't have to right. store their personal information. Yay! Yeah. So anyway, long answer to Twitter. You can yeah. hit me up on Twitter, and and now I'm using that platform a lot more than I've ever used to. Even I've had it for quite quite a amount of years now, and nice. almost never tweet. All right. Well, awesome. It was really good getting to talk to you and hear your, your background. It's a pretty uh, inspirational story of going from a security engineer to you know CEO and founder of your own company and published author. So a lot of prestige there. <laughs> <laughs> CEO and published author all at once. That's, that's pretty good. Thank you so much, Rob. It's been cool. a pleasure. All right, Serge. Good talking to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.